Welcome to Speaking of Service, the podcast that uncovers practical ways to grow service revenue, control costs, and improve customer satisfaction. If you're looking to innovate, gain a competitive edge, or just learn about the latest service trends, you've come to the right place. In this episode, Chris McDonald sits with Mohan Gatta, managing partner, Tata Consultancy Services, to discuss the role of predictive maintenance in field service organizations, his customer experiences, and how those learnings can drive greater returns for other customers. Unplanned downtime is the enemy of efficient service, and when technicians are forced to react rather than predict, the resulting services are expensive, inefficient, and unsustainable over time, and potentially harmful to customer relationships. This is why predictive maintenance needs to be a top of mind for all field service organizations and the greater ecosystem, providing actionable insights to predict and resolve equipment issues before they result in costly downtime provides a massive competitive advantage over companies who only focus on usage or condition-based maintenance. Today, we will hear from Mohan Gatta as he explains the need for predictive maintenance and the not-so-daunting task of introducing it into your service ecosystem. Mohan brings a wealth of experience helping customers across the automotive, oil and gas, and industrial verticals. Mohan, welcome to the show. Could you share more about your role at TCS and your expertise within servitization and predictive maintenance? Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, good morning. I'm responsible for advisory services focused on customer experience, service lifecycle management, and manufacturing energy and resources unit of Tata Consultancy Services. I've been in various business and consulting roles across manufacturing value chain in automotive, industrial, aerospace, and defense industries. Uh, I work with customers in solving their problems and uh, help with strategy, roadmap, and uh, business value realization. You know, my focus has been to help customers drive uptime, improve first-time fix, increase engagement with uh, customers uh, through service contracts, enable uh, new servitization models. Uh, the shift from condition-based maintenance to predictive maintenance, along with other digital technologies, is making all this happen. Uh, we work on analyzing sensor data to identify emerging issues and uh, plan for maintenance before the failure actually happens. And, and that means fixing the issue through remote services or organizing right technician with the right parts. Our uh, team's core engineering expertise in mechanical, electrical, electronics, uh, embedded software, telematics, uh, coupled with couple, uh, cloud and uh, digital technologies helps in uh, providing the right solution uh, with early benefit realization. Awesome. And can you tell me a little bit about how companies are looking at this maturity or this journey around you know, maintenance and service, how predictive maintenance fits in? And in particular, are there certain areas or use cases where uh, that journey where they're going from, whether it's you know reactive to proactive to predictive, um, where is that starting point? Where does it fit within the maturity curve? Yeah, sure, uh, Chris. So you know, manufacturers are building analytical machine learning models to leverage sensor data to determine uh, remaining useful life of components and uh, predict timely replacements. So with the uh, multiple multi parameter sensors, uh, they are looking to move beyond alerts to knowing what is actually going wrong. Earlier, if an engine oil pressure dropped or temperature went up, equipment would have to be stopped and then technician would determine the reason for it. You would have oil sample being sent for laboratory analysis. Today, with sensors that can indicate the type of oil contamination while the engine is running, 
along with oil pressure, duty cycle, load factor, and onboard diagnostics, the effort is to determine which uh, component is going to fail. And then plan for technician and part replacement. Uh, we see Trek OEMs are going for vehicle monitoring centers to drive uptime for fleets uh, through proactive monitoring and uh, planning of service parts. Uh, the other uh, use case we see is in terms of optimizing maintenance costs by shifting to replace uh, consumables, components uh, based on actual condition rather than fixed intervals. Uh, earlier, filters uh, uh, you know, would be replaced uh, every 1,000 hours or 5,000 uh, miles. Uh, but now there's an opportunity to replace only when the filtering of contaminants has gone below a desired threshold. Uh, today, fleet managers can know the condition of equipments or vehicles and how they're being operated uh, you know, and monitor key parameters like fuel consumption, uh, all the while sitting in their offices uh, through the service they've subscribed to. Uh, we see manufacturers uh, doing over-the-air updates to fix issues, uh, upgrade features in vehicles, equipment. Uh, mine operators with uh, mixed fleet are able to plan maintenance in advance, uh, monitor operations and measure uh, output. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, they are able to move beyond uh, predictive maintenance, uh, largely based on the power of uh, sensor data analytics. And you, you mentioned, you know, one of the factors, um, you know, driving some of this move towards predictive maintenance being cost. What do you see as the, the the major business driver or economic factor um, that gets a company to not only consider going to predictive maintenance, but to invest in scaling, you know, that out, whether it's across their fleets, across their componentry, across their fields. Um, is, is it that cost cutting or that that's the initial investment and then the, the long-term factors of better customer relationships or even subscription business model follows? You know, how do your customers look at uh, sort of justifying that initial investment and then scaling the investment? Yeah, sure, uh, Chris. In fact, uh, I, I would, wouldn't put it as a cost optimization, though cost optimization is uh, definitely uh, the byproduct uh, because, uh, you, you know, you, you are able to uh, replace the components as they are needed and uh, uh, you are able to uh, plan and uh, uh, limit uh, catastrophic failures, which become very expensive. But the key driver uh, is really uh, the shift to servitization, where you are giving customers more convenience, flexibility, and uh, uh, value for their money. So essentially, you're moving to outcome-based models. You are uh, speaking customers' language. Uh, you are really charging them based on what matters most to them, whether it's uh, fuel savings. Uh, we've seen tire manufacturers considering uh, charging uh, the uh, you know uh, usage of tires based on fuel savings. So, which is uh, really uh, uh, the full outcome-based uh, model. So, in my view, it's the value that you get through a shift to predictive maintenance and more uh, in terms of outcomes that are uh, getting delivered, which is uh, really driving uh, this change. I think that's that's a really important part in my experience that that outcome-based relationship with your customer and that sort of service relationship, customer relationship is critical to to these these business models and the future of service and what customers expect or have come to expect. 
I think it's often taken for granted how important predictive maintenance is in enabling that outcome-based, you know, servitization and that sort of engagement with your customers. You know, can you help our listeners understand why predictive maintenance is so critical to enabling that outcome-based service? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, predictive maintenance, in fact, is the key uh, to uh, realizing the true as-a-service model. Uh, as I said earlier, as-a-service model is essentially providing flexibility, convenience, and outcome to customers. And in order to deliver the performance outcomes, manufacturers need to ensure availability of equipment with high confidence. And that's where predictive maintenance comes in. Take uh, tire as a service uh, a journey for tire manufacturers. Vehicle maintenance bundles, which involved oil, brake, calibers, all wipers, all things around tires and elsewhere in the vehicle was being given through service contracts. You really didn't need a, uh, predictive maintenance there. But then tire manufacturers have got this tire pressure monitoring system. It's been there for quite some time. Uh, and they've started moving in their direction. What they started offering, subscription services where uh, the users could know the condition of the tires and uh, they saw value in it. And now they are moving to subscription of tires, which is that they're not selling tires. They're selling, uh, they're charging based on uh, the usage of tires, miles covered per month or mm, tread wear. Right. And for that, you need to know the condition of the tire. And then you're not selling the tire. The ownership of the tire stays with you. You really want to know how the tire is, how long it will last. And your margins, your profitability is dependent on that. And tomorrow, if you uh, uh, when they move to out completely outcome based, which is actually, uh, you say, the fuel savings that is delivered by using a particular tire, especially uh, in mine, mine haulers. Right then uh, you are looking at the uh, uh, service, this entire product and service combination totally completely different. Uh, uh, you know, so for their uh, predictive maintenance is giving that complete visibility and confidence to manufacturers to take that big step. Yeah, absolutely. The, the tire subscription is something I take full advantage of myself. So, um, you know, absolutely it changes the way that I, you know, even me as a consumer thinks about, you know, my relationship to, to buying tires or thinking about it that way. It's something that, you know, you took for granted. It's something you had to get when you had to get it. But now it's something that is, you know, taken care of for you and and there for you when you need it. Uh, hopefully not too often, so to speak. But, um, you know, where where do you think your customers put the the notion of moving to predictive service, the the elements of what it takes in terms of data strategy, in terms of you know analytics modeling, in terms of operationalizing them, then adopting the insights within their overall servitization models, and where would you recommend they see that within that maturity curve? Yeah, so, so you know, I I would uh, take step a step back and then uh, you know uh, look at the current landscape. Uh, manufacturers are today churning out. Uh, connected equipment, but then uh, uh, many of our customers have equipments uh, which last 10, 20, 30 years. So what that means is that in field, they've got both connected and legacy equipment. So uh, first, the entire install base is not connected, uh, right? And then uh, the install base that you have in field has gone through various uh, evolution stages. Um, so first point, 
for them to do instrumentation and connect legacy equipment, uh, even with modifications and upgrades, is not economical and uh, feasible in many cases. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you know, they, they have to uh, look at what makes sense, what is economical, and where they can drive value to their customers. What it means is even their customers have these uh, mixed uh, uh, you know, f- uh, fleet, right? Uh, legacy as well as connected. Um, so uh, with that uh, background, uh, what uh, you know, manufacturers are essentially focusing on are uh, these uh, connected equipment, uh, data that's uh, coming in, and they are building analytical ML models, uh, uh, you know, on top of these uh, sensor data to drive essentially insights that can tell them what's going wrong uh, and uh, how they can plan for service and uh, parts. Uh, so, in in terms of uh, you know data strategy, I I would say that uh, they, there is uh, this opportunity to do on the edge analytics now with uh, you know vehicles becoming software defined vehicles and the entire architecture uh, electrical electronics undergoing change uh, uh, you know uh, there is this uh, big opportunity of a lot, uh, significant diagnostics there and the rest of it happening in a cloud uh, where, and from there, uh, uh, you know, where, where actionable insights going to uh, the users, the fleet managers. Uh, so that that's how uh, we see this entire uh, you know uh, landscape uh, unfolding. That 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 makes sense, and it sounds like you know even though if I'm looking at the enterprise, an entire you know you have a diversity of equipment you know either that you're servicing or within your operations, some of that is connected, you know some of it is not. Um, but that doesn't mean you know you start with connecting everything. You start where it's economical to either you know put more connectivity and insight, but but more importantly, you start with that information you already have and available to you, building that data strategy out, that analytics strategy out against the equipment that is connected against those models and equipment that you can start building that new type of business model and customer relationship with, you know, rather than, you know, staying stuck by saying, hey, you know, everything's not connected. How do I move forward, so to speak? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. in fact, uh, that's how uh, we we think uh, organizations can progress in this uh, journey. And, uh, you know, uh, these models, uh, ML models, the analytical models, many of them are you know, statistical. They need uh, continuous effort to, uh, uh, you know, uh, monitor. They, 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 they need to be changed uh, with the changing operating parameters. So mm-hmm. it's not uh, that you've done, done it once and then you can leave it uh, for it to run on its own. Yes, I think we will reach that stage, but currently, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there is uh, work involved from data scientists uh, to look at, uh, you know, what model would best fit at any, any uh, given point in time. So, again, we mentioned what it means for an organization to um, not only build these models, but the idea of maintaining, you know, these models, what it means to on an ongoing basis for organizations that that may or may not have a data science practice that may be, you know, new to what it means to maintain this kind of intelligence against, you know, their service business and their industrial equipment. 
How do you see organizations, um, you know, maturing into that realization that it takes some level of, of, of commitment and expertise to really make these models work and maintain them of a quality, uh, you know, and an accuracy perspective? Yeah, that's a great uh, question, uh, Chris. And, uh, you know, organizations uh, re realize the criticality uh, of uh, uh, this uh, entire initiative. And I think uh, uh, we see across a commitment uh, to build in-house capability in, in uh, uh, parallel to, uh, you know, co-opting uh, partners uh, who, would, who support, who work alongside in, in their uh, journey. Uh, and uh, I think there there is no uh, shortcut to that because this is going to be proprietary in the long run, and uh, uh, much of it will also go back to uh, engineering, uh, right? Uh, which would impact the pro way product uh, uh, products are getting designed in future. Though that's not the scope currently where we are looking more from a, a service outcome perspective, uh, but uh, it's the digital thread that we are looking at from uh, engineering to, uh, you know, uh, uh, supply chain, manufacturing, uh, then uh, the aftermarket. Uh, so uh, for our, our, we see organizations uh, committing themselves uh, to this journey. Definitely there is an internal uh, a team that's uh, working on it along with uh, the uh, you know, technology uh, providers and uh, uh, system integrators. So I, and I always like to ask you know, people like yourself that have experience working with customers and I'm sure uh, many executives you know, within your customers. What are some things that, um, you know, you wish you could have told an executive, you know, just a few years ago, starting off this journey, that if they could get that right, things would go a lot smoother or things they need to be aware of? So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, that's a great uh, question. And, uh, you know, manufacturers are uh, committed to uh, servitization uh, and, uh, you, you know, if they can... Uh, look at this entire service servitization as a service journey uh, holistically and bring all the functions together. Uh, that will be uh, really bringing the right value and uh, uh, they would not have to uh, iterate uh, and uh, uh, you know try to prove uh, that uh, th this journey is, uh, paying, uh, 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 paying off, and they are on the right track to uh, uh, their leadership and uh, boards. Uh, so, I, I think uh, uh, you know, as a service model, uh, true value is uh, in giving this holistic service experience, where after an insight on impending failure is uh, determined. Uh, cu customers are provided the right service along with the right part, uh, which really drives the, the uptime, first-time fix, uh, value for customer, and in turn drives value for uh, manufacturers. So I think that that's one area if, where uh, if they could uh, focus even now harder, and uh, if they could have done it earlier, I would say uh, it would have uh, helped them really uh, go much faster in this journey. 
Absolutely. And it sounds like it's it's being prepared to be agile, but keeping the future in mind in terms of what needs to come together uh, to make these work more scalably and sustainably, you know, within the organization, including, you know, being cognizant that there's a whole service life cycle. There's service operations, there's spare parts management, there's making sure the right part was with the right person deployed to the right asset, um, all in a proactive manner that that can really come together to bring that business model to a whole new level. And let me ask you as, um, as a final question, as these technologies, these enabling technologies like IoT, connectivity, AI continue you know, to mature and organizations continue to mature in their adoption of them, where do you think the future is going when it comes to certification? In fact, uh, very rightly, as you said, uh, AI, 5G, uh, extended reality, automation, and other digital technologies are going to accelerate the shift to predictive maintenance, frictionless service experience, uh, thereby driving higher service revenues and uh, even uh, provisioning of newer services by manufacturers and the ecosystems. And so I, I would see more of ecosystem play coming in uh, and uh, OEMs, manufacturers, and their key partners uh, will be the lead players in these ecosystems. Uh, I see products are going to be designed for longer life uh, with the focus on services. So it really start, goes back in the value chain to design. Uh, and the way entire supply chain manufacturing is uh, uh, being uh, organized. Uh, so uh, uh, probably we'll see uh, uh, more you know, customer value-centric uh, propositions uh, coming out. And uh, th there's another uh, big driver, which is sustainability. Uh, and that's, big, that's a board-level agenda today. And uh, so businesses will look at servitization more favorably and uh, that would accelerate uh, accelerate adoption. Uh, recycling, reuse, and remanufacturing uh, will gain tra traction uh, uh, since servitization means the equipment is or vehicle is going to be uh, largely with uh, large fleets or the manufacturers uh, themselves. And Mohan, before we close, any final advice that you'd give to our listeners? Sure, uh, Chris. I think I would say that we need to just move faster uh, and uh, keep the entire service lifecycle management and product lifecycle management in mind as we go along. Uh, this is cross-functional and uh, this is a complete organizational business model change. Uh, and it impacts uh, all the stakeholders in the organization. So if we approach with this mindset, I think it'll be easier to uh, realize value both for uh, manufacturers as well as to their uh, customers. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been great speaking with you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Service podcast brought to you by PTC. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. And be sure to check out other episodes to hear new perspectives on improving life for aftermarket professionals, service teams, and the customers they support. If you have a topic of interest or want to provide feedback, email us at speakingofservice@ptc.com or visit us at ptc.com/speakingofservice.